welcome. My name's Renee. And I'm Susie. And, and we're, we're all in, in this together. together. This is a podcast where we're two adults and we watch children's movies and have opinions on them. We have a lot of thoughts about Disney Channel original movies. Welcome. <laughs> and this time we've watched Stuck in the Suburbs, the great 2004 classic movie, Stuck in the Suburbs. It's incredible. I had forgotten how good it is. <laughs> um, so if you don't remember or have never seen this movie, we are about to do a recap. This time Renee's giving us our recap. Renee? You've got five minutes to describe Stuck in the Suburbs. All On right. your mark, get set, describe. Okay, so um, we have Daniel Panabaker, and I forgot what her name is, but she does not like living in the suburbs. Brittany. Brittany. It's Brittany. So she is a soccer player, and she's in middle school, and she really likes this guy named Jordan Cahill. Yep. Jordan Cahill, and he's a pop star, and it's Taryn Killam, and he's got real bad hair. So good. They're so... Highlight everything. So she she is being emo, she's writing music, and she's like, my life sucks because I live in the suburbs. And then there's this new girl, Natasha, who's Brenda Song, and she acts like she's so cool. She's like, yeah, I lived in Europe, and like, I lived in New York, and I guess this is a suburb of New York, I think. I got the idea that it was just a general suburb in the Midwest, and her aunt lives in New York. It's something. And then Brittany is trying to impress Natasha and be like, I don't really like Jordan Cahill that much. And, but they still go to his uh, music video filming, which is happening like in a mall in their town. And then stuff happens. She knocks into Jordan's assistant and they end up switching phones in like some weird mix-up thing that doesn't actually happen because their phones look very different. Like hers is hot pink and then Jordan's phone is silver. And then Jordan has some problems because like he's super famous and the record company is saying like, you have to sing these songs. He's like, no, but I have other songs that are like more meaningful. And they're like, no, you cannot. Um, so he's got all of his like original music on his phone. And so then Natasha has this idea to just kind of like mess with, with Jordan and like they use his phone to, you know, change his hair, break up his relationship with his girlfriend um, and all this stuff. And so Jordan's actually like really happy with all these changes, but everyone around him is not. And then there's like some fighting going on with Brittany and Natasha because like Brittany's taking all the credit with Natasha and then it turns out that Natasha's actually not as cool as she says she is and then Brittany's mom also is trying to save this old house and so then to get the phone back she tries to con Jordan's assistant into having him perform at this old house which I guess will save everything and then they meet um, there's like a car chase, there's like adults that are, you know, trying to abduct children for this phone. Everyone's mouth is extremely orange. The, yeah, the color balance on this movie was wild. And so, yeah, Brittany, Natasha, and Jordan meet. He's like, thank you for everything. And then they sing, and then he does whatever. And his best friend is now taking his place. Oh, yeah, because he, he's, like, in a contract for, like, six albums. And so he's really upset about it. Then everything works out. And then Brittany and Natasha are friends with Jordan afterwards. And they're, like, in his music video. And then, you know, she just kind of pursues suburban life in high school. And everyone's happy. The end. Um, so I remember this movie a lot. Not a lot, but I remember watching it. And I remember, like, liking it. But I don't actually, like, feel... Like, what I remembered was wrong. See, and I felt like I 
didn't really remember this movie. Like, when we looked at the, the cover of the movie and when we were talking about watching it, all I remembered was the scene of Brenda Song and Danielle Panbaker on the bike. And Brenda Song is eating an ice cream cone while she's standing on the back of Danielle Panbaker's bike. Because I feel like that was in the commercial for the movie every yeah. time they played it. And so that's all I remembered from it. And then the second it started playing, like the first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm starting to remember this. After the first 20 minutes, it's like I remembered the entire thing shot for shot. It was ignited something in my brain that had been long dead. I, I was afraid. <laughs> so really the first thing that stands out from like the moment it started playing, we, we watched it together this time. And we did not even make it into one minute without having to pause it. We didn't make it 30 seconds. It was, it was 17 seconds of graphic design. Amazing. The The opening credits is just like fake teen magazine covers of Taryn Killam just like trying to look sexy. Oh my um, god. Unironically. It's, imagine Taryn Killam in a bad frosted wig like with those really fake highlights yeah. from the 2000s like the ones that aren't even trying like the, to look I natural. need to see a manager highlights but yeah. like I'm like a very greasy wig <laughs> yeah it was insane and it was all these just like hair imagine Taryn Killam 15 years ago trying to smolder it like, was so it was wild I forgot that it was Taryn Killam in yeah, this movie it's, it's, like, a fever dream. Because, like, at this point, he was, like, doing... Like, he was out of Nickelodeon, but he was, like, doing, like, mad TV. So he was doing, like, comedy. And then he's just, like, in this... All he's in this, this role. He's in this decom movie as, like, the hot guy. All of his roles before <laughs> and all of his roles after have been comedy sketch roles. All of them. And then he has this one weird movie where he's playing the heartthrob looked at Taryn Killam and went heartthrob. Yeah, like, he doesn't have a pop star, like, face at all. Like, it's so, it's out of place. Him, like, wearing, like, that velvet cape and hat thing. Oh he was, my like, god, the costuming in this whole thing. It's, it's, it's very, like, uniquely 2004. It's, you, oh my god, 2003, 2004. Because yeah. if it came out in 2004, then that means it was, it was shot yeah, in, in 2003. Everyone's hair Amazing. Like, it was wild. The only, like, Daniel Panabaker's hair is just... Regular. She has so, she, like, she has so much hair and it's so beautiful. She has the most... I have never in my life... I was... I told Renee as we were watching, I have never in my life had hair envy because, like, I have good hair. Uh, there are a lot of things that I am usually envious of on beautiful women, but, like, hair is never one of them because I have, like, decently good hair. I had hair envy. Brenda Song had, you know, extensions. Oh my um, god. The wild, that her, very wild, like, shortcut, and then you try to make your hair somewhat spiky and up. Yeah, Like, over amazing. and over. The Disney Channel layers was another thing yes. that- Yeah, Brenda Song dressed exactly like my- Like, looking at this movie, this movie, like, the, the dynamic the two uh, main characters had that Natasha and um, Brittany had- was exactly the dynamic of me and my best friend in middle school because I was very much the Danielle Panabaker, semi-emo. I literally wrote bad songs. I have a notebook full of them. It will never see the light of day. They're so bad. They me are. Me too. Ah! But I, I we should high five. That would be yeah. an audio nightmare. Um, we almost did. We stopped ourselves. But yeah, and and then my best friend was much cooler than me and had like our styles too. There is an outfit Danielle Panabaker wears in this where she has this like 
floofy purple shirt that has like, you know, kind of puffy sleeves and like a past your knee jean skirt. I had almost that exact outfit. And then Brenda Song is wearing like, you know, all of these cool, like the skater skirt with the yep, plaid and I, layers. Yes, and um, that was totally I don't, my best friend. Yeah, I I was I was more on the Brenda Song side. I did have one of those white hats with the brim. Oh my um, god, I that ha- hat. I, I, I love that hat. I wore it all the time. I don't know. I don't really remember, but like I definitely I don't know if Brenda did this in this movie, but like, you know, the skirts with the pants underneath. I don't remember if she did any of that. I don't think she did, but it seemed like something but the she character had, would yeah, do. She it was, well, she had like those long shirts and then the pants. Yeah. Um also like matching patterns that don't match at all. Like yeah, cla- like clashing patterns, wearing plaid with a printed like sh- big flower shirt was, and eight necklaces. That was that was all me. That that was me. Um yeah, and then also like all of Britney's friends, they like everyone's hair looked so fucking greasy in this movie. Like even the wig that Terry Killam was obviously wearing oh my looked God. greasy. Well and the hair got greasier as you went until yeah. at the very last scene, the the best friend slash assistant slash new pop star has it all the oh. way greased, gelled back. I oh know. my god. He he looked like a product of nineteen ninety-seven. Like Yeah. He looked he, like he was trying to be in sync. Who yeah. they mentioned by name they at did. one point. They did. Yeah, no. The looks were wild. But I think the the thing I liked Oh, like liked most or maybe just identified with most on this is just how clearly they represented suburbia in this and yeah. how just like because I didn't technically grow up in suburbia I grew up in like more of a small town situation I did grow up in suburbia yeah. well in my my aunt and my cousins all grew up in suburbia and I remember disliking their neighborhood because even in like Muskego where the houses don't technically look like identical, they do still look similar, well, and they're so the- all built by the same people. And so yeah. basically, because like I grew, up, I grew up in in my neighborhood in Batavia. It was a new subdivision, so like all of the houses when we moved in were just freshly built. Mm-hmm. And so you basically like you technically like build your house, but yeah, you, you basically it's kind of just like a like a mix and match. So you're like, okay, I want this thing here this thing here and you like you pick from like five different options yep that's exactly what my aunt and uncle did so like all of the all the houses look the same neighborhood associations are like my parents wanted like a suburban life but my dad is very not suburb he's not like into conformity so like we would do things all the time that would be like normal in like a normal fucking neighborhood but then we would get like violations for like having a car in the driveway or like you know having this tent out for too long Sure. You know, stuff. So, like, in this movie, all the suburban houses looked exactly the same. And, like, that's what the opening sequence is. The opening sequence is just, it made me feel like a fifth grader. It may, it was yeah. just so clearly, I never played soccer, but it was just, like, that kind of, like, you have your group of girlfriends. It was Brittany and the three friends who I don't even remember if they ever got names. They, I'm sure they, they probably did, but, did like, but, like, in the credits. Yeah, it wasn't important. And so it was Brittany and her three friends. Danielle Panabaker, just side note, looks like, I think, was older than the they rest were, of them. She and Brenda Song were 16. Yeah, and I think the other girls they got to play. And they were they supposed were all, to be in eighth grade. They were supposed to be in eighth grade. And I think the other girls they got to play, the friends, were legitimately closer to eighth grade age. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Danielle Panabaker is already just, like, an unreally beautiful girl. Yes. And then she was, like, 
three years older than the rest of the kids. And so, like, it was it was a little jarring. I was trying to figure out if this was supposed to be, like, a kid sister situation. It, it wasn't. Was not. No, but so, and so it's her and all of her friends, and they're coming back from soccer practice. And her mom is driving everyone home, and she's having trouble finding the correct houses to drop people off at because all of the houses look the same. And, like, that's how it starts. It's like, wow, can you believe suburbia? It's kind of scary. Am I right? Yeah, because they're like, this is obviously your house. And it's like, no, well, like, the door is different and the numbers are different. It's like, how are you supposed to know? Even, like, Brittany's mom later on, was she was talking to the dad and she was like, I pulled into the wrong house the other day. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all aware of, like... How nonsense yeah. the, the then, suburbia of it all is. Yeah, and then also, like, when, like, the, the producer guy was chasing the kids. The technology in this movie is also amazing. So they... And it's, it's accurate for 2004. Yes. I just forgot how bad technology so, was like, in 2004. So, early... When we were watching it, like, earlier when um they couldn't find out where, like, Jordan's phone was, I was like, well, this would have been solved if they had to find my iPhone. Well, they did have, like, a kind of thing like that that they talk about later on where it's, like, you call a service and then, like, it tells you, like, the street names. With, yeah, like, where, the GPS. Chi- where the chip is. And so, like, yeah. the, like, somebody's, like, holding a map and then, like, the phone is saying, like, they're on this street, they're on this street. And it, the joke is, too, that, like, all the street names, like, they all look the same and they all, like, are the same name. Yeah, it was, they're like, it's on 167 Orange Blossom Boulevard. And someone goes, oh, that's it, Orange Blossom Boulevard. And, and he like, goes, no, that was Lemon Blossom Boulevard. Yeah, so <laughs> suburbs are just, like, complete nonsense. And this yeah. is kind of, like, we were talking, like, this is kind of the the movie, like, where it kind of goes from, like, being, like, New York is cool to being, like, this yeah. is a suburban well, it's, movie now. This is this is very clearly the transition movie. This is the movie where you go from Cheetah Girls and Cadet Kelly and everything else where, like, it's all about free spirit, New York, everything is is diverse and interesting and you want to be in a place where things are happening to um, later on, the only people that they're advertising to, the people that like Disney Channel is making movies for is suburban white kids, right? And so it's like, this is very much a movie that shows that transition because like it's set in the suburbs. And so, you know, the people who are going to understand it are people who are growing up in the suburbs but it's set in the suburbs and is about hating the suburbs. You know, yeah. it's, it's called Stuck in the Suburbs. And it's about, you know, the mom's whole thing is she wants to save this old house because it's what makes their little corner of suburbia special. Danielle Panabaker loves the idea of New York and loves the idea of the whole world. And she doesn't like being stuck in the suburbs, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so, like, there's still, it's not that they love the suburbs, but this is the moment where they're thinking... Oh, like, where their demographic is starting to shift, and then, like, they just never went back. Yeah, and I, like, that whole sentiment is very much, like, mid-2000s, because, like, all the music that we listened to, like, all the bands that came out were, like, either from, like, the suburbs of Chicago or the suburbs of LA, where it's just, like, it's a lot of angst about, like, being stuck in your hometown and, like, no, nobody understands Oh my god, it's that classic pop-punk vibe. Like, yeah, like, that, like, compilation of just, like, different pop-punk bands singing town multiple times. No, no, mom and dad, I don't need you or this town. Like, that's the whole movie. I think think also, like, at at this time, like, more people are moving out of cities, Mm because, like, Prices are higher and like all this stuff and now and now like us as adults we're moving back but yeah I think like the mid two thousands were just like very like suburbia well, concentrated and like it's more pre two thousand eight you know yeah yeah because everyone's like buying houses and stuff that yeah. they can't afford <laughs> sure <laughs> well, you know like 
hindsight is really 2020. It sure is. Like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, there's also just a lot of really good, good montages. Yeah, so there, it looks like they didn't have enough footage to make a full movie. As though they went, hmm, this is almost an hour and a half, but we need more. And so instead they just play sad songs or happy songs and show montages of them doing stuff earlier in the movie. And there's like three sequences that are just montages. And I think like at least like two of them were when Jordan Cahill like sings. They like didn't want to like have, they didn't want to make enough footage to like show like a full song. Because Taryn Killam isn't a pop star. You know what? He is a treasure. (laughs) You're right. But they were like, hmm, Taron Killam, not a believable pop star. We're gonna show just the the earlier parts of the movie again. Those are good. Oh my god. Let's... It's wild. Oh my god. Every every moment of Taryn Killam being a pop star is insane. I I I love it so much. I love his frosted tips. Like I I love his use of like his wearing of the red tank top with his short hair. But the what one, a look. That's a very big look. The one that killed me is I don't think I have ever in my life seen Taryn Killam in skinny jeans. Taryn Killam in skinny jeans, <laughs> just like something inside of me was afraid. Like it just, it was so, it, it caused so much just, I just it, anger in my brain. Just like just seeing Taryn Killam, just like being portrayed as like a serious love interest or like not he like love, love interest, interest, but like a thirst like, interest, which like, was good. They, like because for the record, <laughs> Taryn Killam was clearly an adult, yeah. who was a pop star, and so he has a bunch of like small children who are in love with him, but he's an adult. And they really could have made this because later on there's a movie like you know called Starstruck, yeah. where it's essentially the exact same plot where for some reason a regular person and a pop star are like that their lives collide. And in that one, the the pop star and the regular person fall in love. And there is like this moment where you're really nervous because Britney is breaking into his phone and reading all of his song lyrics, and she's like, "Wow, he writes about the same stuff I do about feeling lost and alone and trapped." Wow, and like she is in love with him, and there's this moment of like, are they going to make? And then they she breaks up, like she doesn't break up. He and Penelope, his girlfriend, the girlfriend, break faceless up. girlfriend. Face, yeah, you never see her. They break up, and for a while, like you think that it's Danielle Panabaker's fault. Turns out they were breaking up anyway, so yeah. it's fine. But so he and the girlfriend break up, and there's this moment of like, are they gonna try to convince me that an eighth grader and this adult man are dating and it's fine yeah and like they don't go there though they're just yeah. best friends and it's fine and everything's chill yeah because like you know i seen this movie when i was like nine yeah um and so like i you know i just kind of like assume that like in my like bad memory that all these decons like they're gonna fall in love at the end or like you right. know something but and i was just like are they gonna go down this road they did not. Um, he's just kind of like a mentor because, you know, Brittany is also like an aspiring musician. So, yeah, and so you know. he's a mentor. He expands their universe. He at the end, he starts, you know, at the end, they are in his music video. Yeah. And he invites them to like go to New York with him on weekends just to like explore because he knows that that's what they want to do. Yeah. And but it's very much all above board, all totally chill. Yeah, no. Parents are fine with it and are chaperoning. Yeah. And then it's also like kind of hinted that like maybe Britney's older sister is dating. There is okay, there is no overt reason to believe this. But there are she just has a lot too of many like sexy eyes. There are just a lot of moments where cause she has 
an older sister who's like a character i don't really like you could take her out and the plot would not have changed well they do need a driver they need to go to places i guess so like her sister is probably 16 or 17 yeah and is like that classic smart nerd girl overachiever trope and so that's her whole character for a while except for when taryn is singing i should maybe refer to him as his character's name but I'm not going no, to. It's but fine. like when Taryn is singing and when Taryn is like there are just a couple of moments where they zoom in on the older sister who had no interest in this boy band, you know, in this pop star. And she's just looking really intently at him and they're kind of making eye contact. And I really think that the implication is that the older sister and Taryn Killam are like Sleeping on the side. I, I don't I don't understand how it happened or why it happened. And they don't explore it at all. But I can't find any other reason to zoom in on the older sister's faces in that moment. I mean, maybe it's just to, like, highlight those eyebrows. Because, like, her eyebrows were really something. <laughs> they sure were. Um. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, there's a scene. Um, Brittany is the middle child. So she's forgotten. They forget to like bring leave, her to like, school. Bring her to school. But then when she when she says that she's able to get Jordan to come to this house thing, like you can see how her parents like treat her better because yeah. she's just like sitting. She's sitting down with like this giant bowl of ice cream. The biggest <laughs> bowl of ice. It's it's got to be at least an entire gallon of ice cream and an entire here. can of whipped cream. Uh, and like a cherry on top. Yeah, like every six-year-old ideal Sunday. Like, what they think they want for dinner. Yeah, and obviously, like, I think in this family, like, the younger brother, who is, like, kind of a creep, but it's fine. Mm. I don't- I do not understand that trope of younger brother who- Come spies like, on his spies on his sister. sister like a lot um yeah it's so, like the younger brother will be hiding in her room because that happened like in the 2003 freaky friday where like her brother was like reading her diary and stuff. uh-huh that was a classic max and lizzie mcguire yes. that was a classic um kim possible's little brother yeah that was yeah anytime there is a younger brother for some reason it's just assumed that the younger brother needs to spy on the older and, sister like, it's, it's it's creepy i don't uh, like it i yeah I never yeah, felt the no. need to spy on either of my siblings. My brother didn't spy on me, but what was a scam was, you know, like those voice activated diaries? Yeah. Me and my brother had the same voice at the time. <gasps> oh, so no. So he figured out what my password was and then he could open it. That's we had so the same voice. Oh, no. Um, but I didn't really write anything in there, but that was a scam. That is, they didn't expect anyone to have your voice. Also, the fact that those worked, like, looking back on it, the fact that those worked in, like, 2005 is a damn miracle. <laughs> it was sometimes hard. Like, you had to enunciate, like, very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I don't even know if it did work. But anyways, so this brother, he's trying, she leaves, he's trying to eat the ice cream, and then the parents are just like, nah, not for you. Yeah, and right. then- and then, was it the mom or the dad? The dad. The dad takes this giant bowl of ice cream away from the from the son and then puts it in the cabinet. And <laughs> it's wild. It's like that's what they told him his blocking was. And the actor that plays the dad went, that makes no sense. And they went, don't worry about it. No one's going to question it. Take the ice cream, put it in the cabinet. We'll cut scene. No one will think yeah. about it. And you can see on his face, he even <laughs> plays it where he like 
doubles back and looks like, why did I just put that in the cabinet? That's a weird thing for me to have done. Yeah, and I'm really bad at watching movies, and I don't notice things like that sometimes. Especially because I'll be, like, you know, stitching or something. But I noticed that. Oh, no, like, it's so noticeable. <laughs> that moment was the exact moment when I started to suddenly realize that I remember frame for frame every moment of this movie because it's like I remembered every thought I had of that scene of being like, why does she have so much ice cream? Who just gives one child ice cream just because they made them happy? Like, you, if you want to reward your child, you need to give all the kids ice cream. Like, and then it, I remember thinking, like, who... It, to me, I was like, who puts, why did he put it in the cabinet? Is that something other people do? Is it a refrigerated cabinet? <laughs> I like, I was trying so hard to make it make sense in my like third grade brain that I was like, oh, I was trying so hard. The, there's so many like logic things that are so wrong with this movie. Like the fact that Jordan's backup dancers like before Brittany and Natasha and stuff came in they were like these two girls just like wearing like normal like 2004 middle schooler outfits not even middle schooler I would say it's imagine a woman who is 20 years old in 2004 in 2004 going to the gym that's what they looked like and not in a cute way like going to the gym in the clothes they had five years ago they also were really bad at dancing they were bad dancers yeah because the whole thing is like in the first the first time you see Taryn is he's shooting a music video and he's so mad because he has to sing the song that the record uh company wants and they won't let him produce his deep deep song and instead he has to sing about love and dance and do a hair flip and look broodingly into the water and oh my god hit <laughs> reflection just a classic look at the reflection splash the water it's incredible and yet so these dancers are on either side of him they there's no moment where i believe that they are dancers and the children the 8th grade children that they have later are much better dancers they are also just like the concept of universal send I think, okay, so I don't think, I, I, I was thinking about it. At one point, to save Taryn from himself, you know, to, like, really stick it to the production company, the girls take his phone and send the recording of his new song, but, like, the version he likes, to everyone. And I, like, they say, hit Universal Send on this. And they're like, great. So I thought that by Universal Send, they meant that just sent it to everyone in the world. I think it was just send all on your contacts, which existed. Yes, yes. but the idea of just, like, putting two phones next to each other and having a file also, like... Like, because it was, like, off of her phone, so they just, uh-huh. like, tapped phones. Which is a thing you can do now. Um, I think, like, Samsung, you can, like... If you have the same type of phone, you can, like, tap it. Or, like, an AirDrop Actually, or something. Actually, I think that was the first moment that they had both phones in their possession. And so yeah. I think the idea of what happened was... They sent the file from Taryn's phone to her actual phone, and then from her phone to all of her contacts. Oh, yeah. And then it just, and then from, and also to all of his contacts. I think that was the idea. Yeah, I love, like, mid-2000s TV technology. It's wild. Um, because, like, even, even, like, when, um, when Jordan cut her, cut his hair, or, like, when they found out that Jordan was coming to town, her, like, they show her computer screen, and it's just, like, all these, like, messages popping up on the screen. I'm like, that, that isn't real. Um, that might have been how, um, it, 
AIM didn't look like that. I feel like there were programs where, like, email looked like that for a little while. Because yeah. that's a really common trope of, like, just messages popping up. I think up. it's just, it's just good, to, it's like a good visual. Okay, maybe. I feel like that had to be based on something, though. Maybe not. I, I never experienced it. And if I'd ever experienced something, it's not true. One of my favorite <laughs> things about this that made me feel so nostalgic was watching the girls get very, very excited for, like, um, a TV event. Yeah. Or, because I remember being that. I think I was like mm-hmm. that for Cheetah Girls and Cheetah Girls 2, especially. Well, yeah, it's like, they. well, they... It was like four o'clock, so it's like TRL time, which it yeah. wasn't TRL, but it was TRL. Like, that's what yeah. it was. Because they didn't have YouTube to look at music videos. Yeah. You know, like, if you wanted, if you wanted to see a music video, you had to wait until, like, they played it on MTV. Yeah. Which is a wild concept to me. Yeah, um, and so it was very cute. That's something that also made me feel like, wow, these children are literally me in fifth grade. Yeah. These, uh, so Brittany and her original three friends had a dance like that they personally choreographed to their favorite song by Taryn Killam. And that was also a big time something that me and my sisters and our friends did. And they would, yeah, like the song would come on and they would all dance to it. And Mm -hmm. they were very excited about their dance and very excited. And the, you know, parents, the brother are watching amusedly from the sidelines. And the whole thing was so nostalgic. It was so just like, they really captured what, a teen at that or like what a middle schooler at that time is like i don't know who was writing disney channel movies then but they seem to understand the middle school psyche so much better than whoever is writing them now because now they've got such bigger budgets yeah so much more production value and everything well i think also like back then like decoms came out like there were like four or five a year. Yeah, well, yeah, so, like I'm they sure. were really able to just like dish them out, and like now it's basically just like a big production. It's like Descendants and Zombies is what's coming out. Yeah, and so like they only have these giant, giant things, and that, like this is why I liked Bad Hair Day because that was the first time in a long time that I had mm-hmm. felt like this is more along the lines of what I used to watch of something yeah. that is low production value, super cheesy, but also but like actually gets into the head of like what it's like to be this specific age. Yeah, to be, like, a young person. But even that one, it doesn't do as well at depicting what it's like to be that age as yeah. as this movie does. It's just, it's so good. This is exactly what I was like in 2004. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, besides Daniel Panabaker, like, none of them looked really that great. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> you know, Brenda so. Song and Daniel Panabaker have not... Well, they have star power. Have star power, and, like, they have not changed. It's in the same way um, that... I almost called her Lizzie McGuire. Hilary Duff, like... You look at mm-hmm. all of these girls and it, it kind of comforts me. Their faces haven't changed at all since they were about 14 years old. And they've always been just like very beautiful girls, but their faces just haven't changed at all. So they look very beautiful and ageless. But the rest of them, they look like eighth graders. They look yeah. like eighth graders who haven't really gone through puberty yet or in, are in the middle of puberty. None of them are wearing very much makeup. They're wearing an appropriate amount of mm-hmm. like middle school makeup. They might have some mascara maybe lip gloss and that's it you know all of them have hair that it looks like a middle schooler did outfits mm-hmm. that it looks like a middle schooler put together thin bangs the bad haircuts thin, thin bangs. bangs just everything is so like realistic like yes this is what it's like to be a middle yeah, schooler and i think that like for me as like a like an older kid watching that it made me feel like that could happen to me you know well exactly yeah because i was in 
Um, it was 2004, so we were in, like, fourth grade when this came out. Yeah. You know, like, fourth to fifth. And so, this, it was exactly, you know, they were a little older than us, but just It was something enough. I could aspire to. It was something I could aspire to. Like, the more I watched it, the more I was like, did I just base my entire childhood off of this movie subconsciously? Yes. Like, <laughs> did I base my whole personality off of Danielle Panabaker in this movie? Or... Well, and with her, her and her sister. And Weep, you know, just like... <laughs> oh my god, read it, we'll talk about that one later, but between this movie and Read It and Weep, that was my whole personality like that's that's who I was in middle school and it's I don't know it's just this whole movie made me so almost sad about what movies like I love a Disney Channel movie and I've, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed the ones that we've been watching but it just suddenly made me remember how good Disney Channel was at depicting what it's actually like to be 13 as compared to, it made me think of, because I love the Descendants series, mm-hmm. but like it made me think of the outfits in Descendants and like the yeah. skin tight leather and the fact that they are all teeny tiny. Not that any of the girls, all of the girls were very small yeah. in, in this, but the fact that they were small is not highlighted. Yeah. You know, there is no giving them well, they were an just hourglass like gawky, figure. They were like gawky teenagers. They like, were gangly. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were gangly soccer Like that's what I looked girls. like when I was yes. 13. Gangly soccer girls wearing a ponytail. That's what they all looked like, you know? And now you've got, you know, the 24, 25-year-olds playing 15-year-olds, which is its own (laughs) issue. But more than that, it's just they have everyone in these fabulous outfits. And, you know, we're not in that terrible, terrible Hannah Montana outfit stage. You know, at the same time, though, like, girls who are, like, in middle school, they just look better now because they have YouTube tutorials and, like, they have... that's exactly what I'm saying. Information to tell them to not look like shit. And, like, we didn't have that. We had our moms be, like... And I think that's terrible. Yeah. Like, I hate it. And I think that Disney Channel has noticed that, like, Disney Channel has added on to that instead of taking away from it, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, Disney Channel has started making their middle schoolers much more quote-unquote hot than a middle schooler ever used to be and i wish that like disney channel would just keep one place where a middle schooler looks awkward and weird like a yeah, middle schooler. i mean like even if you go back to like high school musical like troy bolton is not that hot like no you I'm know like, like you know like he's like you know attractive for like a 2000 you know an 18 year old in 2008 or whatever yeah. but like you know, he doesn't have, like, he's not, like, as, like, polished or anything. None as, of them are. No. Like, all of Gabriella, especially in that first movie, they Gabriella. They hair. Like, everyone, they got bangs, you know? Yeah, well, everyone just looks like, all of the outfits look like something a high schooler might yeah. put together. Even Sharpay looks like, like, her outfits still look like something a rich high schooler would put yeah. together. You know? And that's an and that's a high schooler. Mm-hmm. This isn't even considering the fact that, like, a lot of these shows are also supposed to be middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I don't know. I have some yeah. feelings. <laughs> yeah. The bad costume design? Good. <laughs> yeah. No, I would agree. I would agree. I just... And it just makes me so happy. Yeah. Taryn's outfits in all of it. All of the outfits it's, that they had Taryn wearing are so good. good. It's They're so good. I really want to know what how he feels about being in that movie. I just want to... Oh my god, I would pay so much money for like a signed copy of one of those fake magazines with Terry Killam's face on them. Oh my god. Can you I, imagine? I, I would frame it. I would I would die. I would love it. Um It would be my god. prized possession. The wig, the hair. It's it's amazing. Mhm. Um, I also like that there was no explanation. So, you know, about halfway through the movie, two teenage girls have Terry Killam's phone. They're messing with his life. They, you know, they tell his hairdresser to cut off all his hair, even though that wasn't the plan. They, you know, do all this stuff. 
uh, they change up his wardrobe mm-hmm. um, to something that he might like more. And so they're doing this in a way to like help him and like do things that he actually wants to do. And he's not the like, and that way he's not the one making these decisions, so he can't get in trouble with the production company. But like, they're still being made, you know. And so the wildest one for me was bringing in these two dogs. I, which I'm like, so they bring in like two the, dogs for him. They're very good. They're very fluffy. They're so big and fluffy and I loved it. And I was, but I was so confused. I'm like, did they just decide he needed a day with some dogs or are they his dogs? Also, totally forgot about it, but like that Frisbee thing where he was just like, oh my God, he was like playing like spy Frisbee where he was like trying to like assassinate people who like with a Frisbee. So like, no, it was Frisbee golf because on the bat, so it was Frisbee golf. But he was using his security people as the holes. And yeah. so, like, he hit one of his security guys and he, like, bent over. And then on his back, there was a sign that said, uh, like, par five and had, like, a little, like, golf flag. And then they give, like, a little high five. Oh, what a time. Well, yeah, and it was very cute because it was clear that, like, it wasn't that he was, like, haha, service people. They have to do whatever I say, so I'm going to throw thri- frisbees at them. It was, like, He's made very friends. clear that, like... They were friends, and he was in on it, yeah. and everything else. But it was still just a wild time. So yeah, there's so much that I'm like, are these his dogs that they brought to him? Did they personally call this man and explain how human frisbee golf works? Did they like? How did any of this or happen? Maybe just showing that he's happier. You know, it like, might just be that. Yeah, yeah. Like, instead like, of like being emo and like brooding on his phone, he's like playing frisbee golf with his. Okay, people. so that might you think that might have been yeah. him, his doing. Uh, who knows? There were a lot of choices. In this. There's so many, so choices. many choices. But yeah, so um, I got some facts for you. I'm ready. All right, so um, the in the hotel scene where they're trying to uh, get the phone back the first time. It's the same hotel that was used um, in Good Luck Charlie at some point. Hmm. I haven't seen Good Luck Charlie, but they, they're they reusing sets. Um, okay, I love that. Uh, we all, yeah, Danielle and uh, Danielle Panabaker and Brenda Song were both 16 when they filmed this movie. So, and then also, like, because when we heard Jordan's song, we were like, is this, who's singing this? Mm-hmm. It was Taryn Killam. No! It was, yeah. No! He sang it. What? Yeah. On the credits, like, and on the soundtrack, it's, they say that it was Jordan Cahill who sang it, but he was the one who sang those tracks. I, because my thought was that it was he Drew Seeley. Mu- he does musical theater, Taryn Killam does. Um, you'll, I'll tell you what, what, later on. I, yeah. um, oh my god, also, I will pay money for this CD. Who has the CD? Also, this soundtrack, at some point, was ranked number 182 on the Billboard 200. I get it. These are bops. See? They're really they good. They are pop. They know how to write a pop bop. Yes. Um. So, also, when we do older movies, uh, we're going to do a little Where Are They Now? Because mm-hmm. um, it's been 15, 15 years. Yeah. Bad world. So, um, first, Daniel Panabaker. She looks exactly the same as she did. Yeah, she's currently in The Flash. Yeah, she plays, like, Killer uh, Frost. Yeah, Killer Frost or Caitlin Snow. It's the yeah. same character. Yeah. It's a whole thing. I, I don't know if I like The Flash, but I sure have watched every single episode and <laughs> occasionally get, like, addicted to it. I still can't say whether I like it or whether I just really enjoy Daniel Panabaker and the guy who plays Cisco. Like, I really like those two people. Oh, and the guy who plays uh, Joe. I like those three actors. I'm not sure if I like the show. Well, it is a CW show, so yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like it's it's kind of cheesy, kind of mm-hmm. corny, but it's one of those. It's a very nice show to turn your brain yeah. off to. 
But either way, Daniel Panabaker is great in it, and she looks exactly the same, but with, like, slightly better hair, if, if, if that's possible. Yeah, um, so then Brenda Song, she's, she's out here working. She, she has, is! She has so many credits, um, like, I just was, like, this is, like, from nine years ago, uh-huh. but, like, when I saw The Social Network, I was like, what the fuck, like, Brenda Song is not, like, she's playing, like, an adult role. Oh, yeah, you know? she, do, did you ever see the episode of her in New Girl? No, because I haven't oh, watched yeah, New Girl. Oh, yeah, she, uh, so she sleeps with, like, she's one of Winston's exes. Yeah. Winston, uh, so, like, on New Girl, Winston's iconic thing is his cat, Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brenda Song is the girlfriend he got Ferguson from. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, she asked him to take care of her cat while she just went and slept with another dude. And so he just kept Ferguson. Yeah. He was gonna kill him. Instead, he became a weird cat dude. Um, yeah, she, uh, she's done, like, a lot of TV pilots. Um, mm-hmm. you know... Probably not all of them made it to air, but she's been out here. Um, she's gonna be in the Hulu series Dollface coming. I don't know oh, if that's really? out or yeah, but she's just like one of the stars of that. Oh, awesome! Um, she also was a guest star in Ally and AJ's new music video. Was she yeah. really? Yeah. Oh she my was god! In that. I yeah. gotta go watch that. Yeah. Um. So she is out here. Ally and AJ. If we're going by thirds of my personality. <laughs> one third is Danielle Panabaker and Stuck in the Suburbs. One third is Danielle Panabaker and Read It and Weep. And one third is Allie and AJ. That's the, my whole personality in middle school. Yeah, and so now, Taryn Killam. Uh, oh, what what a guy. Uh, so, obviously, he does he do was... the sloppy swish. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you know, he was on SNL until like 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. I guess his uh, uh, contract ending was like not on great terms. Which oh, is, no. Yeah, like he didn't really know that he was going to get let go. Um, but then Lorne Michaels was like, bye, I guess. Um, so, sorry for him. Um, he was, I don't know if he still is, but he is King George in Hamilton. I think in the New York production. Really? Yeah, that he... makes sense. I might have known that, but even if I didn't, I could immediately picture it so clearly that it makes sense. Yeah, no, it like that would be really good. That's I mean, a perfect yes. role for him. Like the, the exact amount of sarcasm and comedy and singing and like oh, and his could fa- do that his face, you know, perfectly. Like, yeah, yeah. One of the only people who I think can do Jonathan Groff justice. Yes, and he's also one of the leads on ABC Single Parents, which came out last year. Oh, I do remember seeing a bunch of commercials for that. Yeah, yeah. so he's still out here. Taryn Killam. Love him. What a guy. Uh, it's like, it's wild because like he is in so many things. Well, like all of these people are in like so many things that like we've watched, but like he was a Nickelodeon star. Uh-huh. He was on Mad TV, which like I watched some of it like as a kid. Just sure. like, what is this? Sketch comedy? <laughs> what is that? You know? <laughs> Um, when my mom like wasn't looking because I sure. wasn't really allowed to watch Comedy Central, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, like he he's not, he's been working since like nineteen. And like, he, here's the thing though, he's good. Yeah, he's good. I love him. He's always delightful. I'm always I'm always willing to give something a try if Taryn Killam is in it because he's delightful. Uh, fun fact: one of the so the woman who played Britney's mom. I don't know about where she is now, but I know where she was like five years ago. She played the police chief on Psych. I loved her in that role and I was trying so hard. I had to like stop and figure out where she was from because it was driving me nuts. I was like, I love this actress. What is she in? She's the police chief in psych. I'm sure she's maybe doing other things, but that's the only thing I knew her from. Yeah. So they out here. Mm-hmm. They're not one like, hit wonders. No, it was, a, is, it was is... a pretty good like star studded cast. Yes. They just didn't know it yet. Yeah. And a great movie too. So now let's go to ratings. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, so out of five for plot. Um, for plot? I mean... I'd give it, like, a 2.5, because there were a lot of holes in it, but it was good. Like, Yeah, I will say the fact that they somehow switched, like, grabbed the wrong phones, despite them being completely different colors, does take take away from the believability. The same phones existed. You Or even just making it the same color? Yeah, I don't but know. Like, I'll give well, you that. She I would give like, it a three point five. She though. had like a like a cheap phone, and he had a BlackBerry. Yeah, which with is, internet access. Yeah, so, oh man. Yeah. But I would give it. A, I would give it at least a three point five. I thought it was delightful, and I think yes. the fact that it was so true to like what middle school was like then is like gives it a good amount for me. The only thing is, I don't think they really explored why that old house was good. Yeah. Very well. Like, because that's a big plot point, is saving the old house that it makes their corner of suburbia special. A island of hope in a sea of sameness, <laughs> uh, which was a lyric that either Danielle Panabaker or Taryn's character came up with. I can't remember, but it sure was a line. And I was like, oof, it hurt to listen to. Yep. Um, so choreography... Honestly, like, here's the thing. There wasn't much choreography, and obviously, like, the, the backup, the actual backup dancers, terrible. But the one piece of choreography that they just did eight times with the small, with the eighth graders yeah. was great. So I'd give also, it a, yeah. a three. Yeah, and the song slapped. The songs slapped. Like, Jordan Cahill, I wish that he was real. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jordan Cahill was real. Jordan Cahill was just, like, essentially Aaron Carter, Jesse McCartney. Yeah. Jesse McCartney, I think, is a good... Yeah, because a good... Aaron Carter went off the deep end. Yeah, Aaron yeah. Carter went off the deep end, but I think Jesse Mc... uh, McCartney is a good kind of, like, allegory. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got his his he's got his beautiful soul. Yeah. You know, you could get the if, feeling if that only... he has deep, deep feelings. Yeah, if only Jesse McCartney had frosted tips the way that Jordan Cahill did. If only. Because, <laughs> wow. I mean, he still did have pretty visible highlights. Yeah, yeah but I like, think it's just because Jesse McCartney was naturally a blonde, blonde yeah. that it didn't quite get to that level. Yeah, that was, that was some hair. Oh my god. We should just have a category called hair and hats. Honestly. <laughs> hair and hats. Five. <laughs> let's let's start adding. No, it's it's happening. We're adding this category. Hair and hats. Hair and hats. Okay. Five. Five. Um, Acting. I mean, it wasn't terrible. No, All of these people went on to be like professional actors. You know, it's not like a bunch of one-hit wonder. They never left Disney Channel kids. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, none of them... Nothing Nothing really lo- was, like, out of place. Like, it never was, like, mm, Yeah. The only times it was kind of iffy were times where they clearly were asking the eighth grade girls to, like, improv talking over each other because they were doing that classic, you know, how teenage girls talk a lot. <laughs> and then, so they were like, oh my god, and, yeah. like, they were clearly having them sort of improv things so that they were, like, just keep talking over each other, keep talking over each other. Those were the only moments where it started to get a little iffy because, you know, they were eighth grade. Yeah, I did like improv. when they all screamed together, though. Yeah, that, that was, was good. really good. That was good. I don't think that that was a lot of acting. That's just, like, how mm-hmm. uh, middle school girls just, like, ah. Yeah. Well, but, like, if you think about, like, how loud and high Daniel Panabaker and Brenda Song were screaming, if you think about... Do you remember the point where they threw themselves that against the glass? That was such a good... It was... They committed. That, that, that was so good. Like, they were just... They threw themselves oh against God, the that... glass of Jordan Cahill's uh, hotel because they saw him inside, and they just they committed. They their faces there was nothing pretty about it. Their faces no, were completely was... smushed on the glass. It was so good. They committed. That... I would give this like a four point five yes. for for acting. Yeah, I I agree. Um, cringeability. 
I mean, like, here's the thing. It's not, like, cringeability in the way that it's hard to watch like some other people, like some other movies were. It's cringeability in that, like, it's so 2004. Yeah. It's so 2004. Yeah. So, I mean, it's low for me, like. Yeah, like a like two. A two, yeah. yeah. It just, like. It was just more like war flashbacks than like exactly yeah. <laughs> it was like just oh shit, like, that's me. Well, exactly. The whole thing was just like nothing will ever make me feel quite as twelve years old as watching that movie. Yeah, but not- it didn't make me like feel uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it made me remember my middle school years fondly. Yeah, which is hard to do because yes. those were not great years. No, they were not. <laughs> um, so overall, this is about a ten. Overall, out of ten, um. I mean, I think I'd give it a solid seven. Me too. Was, you yeah. know, like, like it was enjoyable. It was so clearly an extremely low budget Disney movie, yeah. which like it looked like it was edited on iMovie. Like I could make something with just well, as good of editing. I don't think iMovie existed back then, so it would definitely be Windows Movie Maker. Oh, you've got a good point. You've got it. But like the just like just the opening thing that's just said a Disney Channel original movie. It, the font choice. The font choice, and it was just oh. one slide. It was like. And there was, like, a little gradient. It was, like, blue on the top and, like, white on the bottom. Yeah. It was literally, it oh. looked like the beginning of any Windows Movie Maker thing. Yeah. Like, it was incredible. Um, I The graphic is design so is their passion. Gra- oh, my God. I really wish they would challenge themselves to make a movie on that low of a budget again. You know, where the yes. production value is bad. Pay your writers well, pay your actors well, but production value so low. So, like, you have $200, figure it out. Yeah, so the takeaway from this movie is, like, you've probably, you know, like, if you're, like, a 20-year-old person, you've probably seen this movie, um, and you probably remember it, but, like, please watch it again, because it's, like, not what you remember. It's better than you remember. It's just, it's, it's such wholesome. a delightful experience it's, to watch. It's good. Oh, my God. Yeah, what a movie. What I a really fil- think that- This the- is not a movie. This is a film. <laughs> this is a film. I really think that the takeaway of this is just, like- the more money you give Disney Channel, the worse it is. Yeah. And the, the less money they have, the more interesting things they did. It's because just, it's, it's more genuine. It's more genuine. And I feel like when you gave Disney Channel, like, strict restrictions, like, you can only do so much, you have to get really creative in that mm-hmm. space. Whereas if you give them unlimited power, they're like, we can do anything. And so we should do it yeah, all. And, and then it it's like, bad. And it, like, brings more into, like the characters than just this having mm-hmm. something set in the suburbs which is like not very interesting makes a the story of the people who are in the story like more interesting yeah yeah like to make a movie to make a conflict you know to have all that stuff that you know ma- makes a good story yeah because you don't get so bogged down in like the interesting things they're doing with their money yeah. you know like look at this very cool effect we had yeah so um good movie Watch it. It's on the Disney Now app, um, which, you know, is accessible to anyone with a phone or a computer. So, you know, watch it while it's hot. Indeed. Um, yeah. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're working on other things right now. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at All In This Together Pod. Um, all Twitter, one word. Twitter is still not up, but it will be at some point. Oh, I could. Um, I mean, I have the account. I just haven't. I don't even remember what the handle is. So, <laughs> um, so we'll do that later. Um, so we will talk to you in two weeks. All right. Bye. Farewell.